The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Can organized religion provide the personal mystical experience yearned for by so many these days? Do people have to leave the faith of their fathers to develop that private dialogue with God? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. It may have been a product of the New Age thinking of the 60s and 70s, but many people turned away from the family church during those days to learn meditation, practice yoga, study Buddhism, or take drugs to further develop the spiritual side of their lives. As a result, many of their children and their grandchildren never got to attend Sunday school, study the Bible, or worship in the ways of their family's spiritual traditions. Have they missed something important, something that might have worked well in bringing them closer to God? Our guest today would probably say yes, since he has experienced some powerful, personal mystical revelations and communications as a result of traditional Christian practice. Don Green has experienced many personal mystical revelations through the traditional practices of Christianity. He grew up the oldest of seven children in a strict Irish Catholic family. After high school, he briefly entered the seminary, only to find that really wasn't uh, what God wanted of him at that time. Shortly after he left the seminary, he received his draft notice, chose to enter the Navy to pursue a construction trade. He spent four years in the Navy going to Vietnam in 1967-68. He was married and running his own construction business when he became involved with the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Movement, and in January of 79, he was involved in an automobile accident, which laid him up for almost a year. He lost his home, his business, but wound up reading many Christian books, particularly a lot of C.S. Lewis, which helped him regain his religious footing. In 1988, he moved to Maine and became the city planner in Rockland, where he attended Our Lady of Good Hope Church and studied with a charismatic priest in his healing ministry. Don volunteered at Thomaston State Prison, maximum security facility, and worked with a chaplain for the prison system in Maine. He was a religious volunteer for seven years and became involved with Yoke Fellows Groups, a weekly gathering of prisoners and volunteers who shared their life in Christ. With another volunteer, he founded Yoke Fellow House, a halfway house for prisoners released from long-term confinement. Divorced and remarried, he joined the Center Street Congregational Church, United Church of Christ, where he served as deacon. Besides uh, taking a three-year study program with the UCC, Don enrolled in the Christian Studies program at Grand Canyon University and will finish the master's degree program in September. Besides serving his own church and several others with substitute pastoring, uh, Don is now studying hospital chaplaincy uh, work in Bangor, Maine, and the same program where I do my chaplaincy work. So, Don, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, thank you, Liam. I'm happy to be here. Um, Don, you've no doubt recognized that church populations are falling in most mainline churches today. Do you think people are missing an opportunity when they bypass traditional religion? Certainly I do. Um, Traditional religion really um, blossomed in the United States, after World War II, it declined um, because the United States um, became more affluent. Uh, people had everything they needed. They didn't seem 
to want to rely on God for what they what their needs were, and so church has declined. So what we have now is a remnant of peoples who are going to church. Um, but what I I don't think that this remnant realizes is that they're called to be there. They're not just going to church because they have to go to church. They are called to be there to be a remnant people from which God can build his church. Yes. Well, you and I have both experienced the uh, advantages and disadvantages of uh, both Catholic and Protestant practices. How would you compare the two when it comes to developing a personal relationship with God as opposed to just uh, ritual practice? Um, That's uh, a good question, and I'm glad you phrased it that way, because um, the Catholic Church uh, is really quite reliant on ritual. Um, uh, We do have some breakout people uh, who um, do things a different way, and and the Catholic Church calls them saints. (laughs) But the Protestant religion uh, really opens up a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, you, uh, or I did, I found a real freedom in being able to go directly to Christ or directly to the Father or call upon the Holy Spirit um, and not feel like I had to go through somebody or perform a certain ritual to um, have myself heard. So that that has been a real um, change for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to get into your own personal visions. And um, two of the ones you mentioned to me had to do with the ceremony of communion. So uh, perhaps you could tell us about uh, about those experiences. Um, well, uh, certainly um, in the Catholic tradition, uh, when... Uh, the elements of bread and wine are consecrated. Uh, the priest holds them aloft, holds them above his head, so that everyone can see them and everyone can then um, worship and give adoration. Um, several times it has happened to me that uh, when that happens, um, I go into a worshipful um, state and... I am just uh, filled with joy and peace, um, and it seems to go on for an hour or more. And yet when I open my eyes, he's just put it, bringing the host back down to put it on the altar. Um, so it's an alteration of time um, where you, you get to experience that eternal now. Uh, is the best way that I can I can say that. So it's uh, uh, it's a traditional practice. Um, it's nothing out of the ordinary. I think that uh, many people do experience these things um, and don't recognize them for what they are. Right. Now you had mentioned that you had a, a vision of uh, a garden at one point and uh, uh, possibly a, a throne, as I recall. I uh, yes. I'd be happy to. Uh, uh, this was uh, when I was with Father Rice, and we were preparing to go out on a healing um, um, service, uh, and we had we would come together in prayer, and Father Rice would individually bless each of us. Um, there was a woman there who um, I had gone up and, and knelt and received my blessing from him um, in prayer. The whole community was in prayer. 
um, and then she went up and I uh, was watching and she knelt down and then as he laid his hands on her head, she just kind of uh, eased back down onto her um, legs and I closed my eyes and I could see this vision of a garden and it was pure and white and um, glistening and sparkling and crystal um, absolutely lovely and Jesus was uh, sitting on a bench in the garden and she was there too um, and I, I was just kind of overwhelmed with the whole thing and then suddenly I realized uh, that she was back in the pew right in front of me and so I leaned over and, and I said to her I, I, I just had a vision I want to share it with you and I told her about it and she goes Oh, Don, she said, I was there. I was there. She saw the same thing that I saw. She confirmed what my, she confirmed my vision and I confirmed hers. Um, that it was, it was, that in itself was overwhelming. Um, the, the throne room, um, was a separate time of, uh, personal prayer where um, I really felt lifted uh, up into heaven, um, kind of the seventh heaven, if you want to call it that, and actually being present in the throne room, but not, but above the throne room. So I could see the throne room. I could see the throne in this uh, glorious, piercing light that you could look at, but it was, it just went right through you. Uh, and all the people in the throne room, um, and all the angels above, and um, and then I, I was kind of moved to the side, and as I came around the side of the throne, I could see behind the throne were all these gardens, it, uh, innumerable gardens. So God has a lot of gardens for us to enjoy. <laughs> um, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And again, it, no rites rituals. It's just coming before the Lord and opening yourself up to him and asking him to show you what he wants to show you. And um, being there, just being there. No transcendental meditation. Um, it's just being there one-on-one with the Lord. And that's really what he asks of us is our time. Because we live in time. He lives in the eternal now, and we live in time. And what he asks of us is to spend some time with him. To come aside out of our lives and spend time in prayer where he can show us what he wants to show us, speak to us the words that that we need to hear. Um, that's what I find so uh, amazing and so gratifying that as disciples, we can be there with him. It didn't ha- didn't end with the apostles. The disciples are still here. We, the remnant of those, of the people are still available to Christ and he to us in those moments, those personal moments. And that's what. Um, I find so amazing, so amazing. 
And I, I, I'm sorry, Leo. I, I just really try to explain that to everyone. Do it. Just try it. Just be there. Mm. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> uh, we don't want that. That's for sure. Because uh, one of the things that uh, we talk about when uh, on the show when we're talking about uh, near-death experiences are shared experiences. Uh, in fact, the last couple of shows have dealt with this, where we've, uh, where people have actually, someone is dying or is having a near-death experience, and someone else may travel with them. Mm-hmm. And what what you were saying, in effect, was even an act as simple as receiving communion can be a shared experience. As you traveled with this woman to this garden and to her conversation with Jesus, right. um, that's something that um as a as a community as the body of christ as we like to call it um is is made available to us and it's not it's not denying a personal mystical experience but it's really expanding it it is i think that's one of the reasons why they call it communion with union we're in union with christ certainly because we're receiving him personally, but we're also in union with everyone else there. And again, if the communion of saints, the common sea, um, can open ourselves up to that experience, it is ours. It is ours. It's granted to us. So, um, yes, what you're saying, uh, Christianity is a shared experience. It is not something done in isolation. It is done in uh, with your church, with fellowship, but it's also what you take into the world. So uh, it, it is communion on every level. Just a, um, a question that went through my mind. Now, the two gardens that you saw in the two visions, did they seem to be similar? Um, well, yeah, yes, yes, and no. The one, the one was just so uh, gorgeous. Um, everything seemed to be made out of crystal, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, it was full of color. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't know. <laughs> Trying to explain that may be difficult. Uh, it's sort of like rainbows captured in prisms. Um, in the crystal, um, and yet the crystals themselves had individual color, and it was uh, shining. Um, the beauty was was amazing. Um, the gardens b- uh, behind the throne, um, and I don't know how else to say that, uh, they each were expansive, and yet each was different, um, almost like they were were made for individuals or groups that uh, could enjoy that particular type of garden. Um, uh, God God prepares a place for us. And gardens, I'm I'm a gardener, I love gardens. Um, So gardens appeal to me. Um, But I'm sure that... uh, there's a garden for everybody. <laughs> yes. You know? Did you see any gardeners there? Did you see any? Um, <laughs> I'm 
a, angels or uh, other other uh, beings? I really, I really didn't um, notice um, any, uh, you know, of the uh, rank and file angels um, taking care of the garden, <laughs> but I'm sure someone did. Um, the 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 thing that held my attention, I mean, that was, I noticed that there were gardens there, but the, it was the throne room. It was uh, intimate, but expansive. It was uh, filled, yet there was room. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to put all of this, this whole experience into uh, into a written form um, with a book that I've, I've started uh Called Seven Steps to the Throne Room, um, which um, kind of explains, uh, kind of goes through our life and how how we are on this journey, these seven steps. Because we're always called higher, we're always called up. We get to a place. A lot of people plateau um, at a certain point in their faith, and they're kind of wandering around, say, is this all there is? And really what's happening is they're on a particular plateau or step. And if they look up, um, they will see Christ calling them up higher. Come up higher, friend. Come up here. Um, There's more. There's more. And um, so if we are open to it and we're responsive to Christ's call, we go through this process of uh, purifying ourselves of uh, being of more of service uh, through these steps um, until we attain the throne room where we are in the presence of God. Um, I uh, that's really kind of what I'm, I'm I got out of that whole vision. Um, visions aren't just you know one little glimpse. There's just so much packed into them. Um, that as you begin to un- unravel them and really look at them and, and prayerfully consider what you were shown, um, you begin to realize that there's there's more there and that uh, although you're the one who received it, it's not necessarily for you. Um, it is a, an affirmation um, from God through you to others. So I'm trying to make that connection, that whole process through. Do you think the uh, the um, concept of a throne as such, although it's biblical, is possibly a product of uh, a, your Catholic upbringing as well? That you saw it in in those terms. Um, it, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, I think that that's uh, a concept that comes with kingship or lordship, um, um, uh, with uh, a seat of power. Um, uh, that we describe it as a throne, um, which is raised so that again everyone can see the king, everyone can see God. But that um, hmm, there was a dais or a raised platform. I I can't say that I actually saw a chair there, a throne. What I can say is that that's where the presence of God was um, in the in this light. Um, oh, describe describe the light. Ooh, <laughs> um, it 
pure uh, energy. Um, and I think that that's why we call it light. Um, it's energetic, it's, it's movement, it's stillness, it's um, uh, opaque. Um, uh, Lee, it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to to explain God. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Uh, we have we have people who've had uh, near death experiences who have said that it was um, it was the embodiment of love, and um, sometimes they say it describe it as white. Sometimes they describe it as golden. Sometimes they describe it as multicolored. Um, but but um, that term of of um, the essence of love is often used too. It is a fullness. I mean, you feel absolutely um, accepted. Um, you feel uh, 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 whole. Um, there's no sense of um, guilt or need for forgiveness. You you feel filled with this light. You're sort of like participating in it, or you're part of it. Yes. Um, it's uh, an amazing. It's an amazing experience, um, and I don't think it's reserved for just the end of our life. I think that that's really available to us um, now. We need just to ask um, to really know in our hearts, in our in the very depths of our being that um, our God is love and that we are accepted and that we are loved and that we're held in his knowledge throughout our entire life. Um, the, the, the light, it, um, the problem is our eyes get in the way of uh, our eyes and our brains try to explain something um, which is kind of inexplainable. Um, but yes, the essence of love um, distilled and poured out, um, radiating into everything, not just everyone, not just every being, but into everything. Um, that is our God, absolutely magnificent. Um have you had uh, other experiences of this um, throne room besides the one you had? Uh, not the throne room. Um, I've, I've had experiences of Christ, um, individual um, moments of uh, teaching, I guess you call it. Uh, and how, how does that happen, Don? How do you... You know, if if you feel like you're receiving a message from Jesus, how how does that occur? Uh, again, it's it's in prayer, and all I can say is fervent prayer. Um, um, and for me, prayer is is to come into the presence of God in worship and adoration. Um, it's not asking for things because He knows yes. what we need, so mm -hmm. we don't have to be telling Him. So when we come into his presence uh, with gratitude, with love, um, then he can come into um, come to us individually, um, and it's it's um, 
I don't think I've ever seen a full mm, body. It's more I see a representation that we have um, of his uh, upper body, face, and um, we just talk about things. Um, talk about what I, you know, what I've recently read in scripture, or talk about what I'm going to be preaching um, when I'm coming up. Um, recently, I'm just actually this last Sunday um, with uh, Elijah uh, being a prophet of God. That uh, Elijah always said, um, "As I stand before God." And he really told me that we all stand before God. We are all prophets of God. We all get to proclaim God to the world. If we're not doing that, then we're really not being the prophets that he has anointed us to be. Uh, And that concept kind of blew my mind. And when I I used that in my sermon, everyone, the whole church was quiet. I think you could have heard a pin drop in church. It was a moment of realization uh, for me, and when I shared that, I think it was a moment of realization for um, the people who were hearing that word, um, that I'm a prophet of God, I get to proclaim God. Yes, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we don't all get picked up in flaming chariots, of course, at the end of our lives. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> But that's 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 a reference that the uh, U, UFO folks really love because they think that it was a flying saucer that came and got them. Right, with the, the flames and the wheels and uh, all that good stuff. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let me let me ask you too. Uh, you'd made a reference to seventh heaven, and I know Saint Paul talks about being taken to the third heaven. Do you do you think there are levels of heaven, layers of heaven that uh, um, that we can attain to? Um, again, I think it comes to the fullness of the glass kind of thing, large glasses and small glasses. Um, there's seven ranks of angels, um, from, uh, the, uh, archangels. Um, there's seven archangels, um, uh, most of them, you know, we hear of, uh, Gabriel and, um, Michael and Raphael and Uriel, but there's three more as well. Um, uh, in the Catholic Bible, in the book of Tobit, uh, when Tobit reveals, I mean, when uh, Raphael reveals himself, he says, I am one of the seven angels who come and go before the face of God. Mm. So we kind of confirmation right there um, that there's seven archangels. And there's the seraphim, the cherubim, and um, all the rest of the uh, ranks and rank and file, so to speak, the, the ten thousands of ten thousands of angels. Um, so, I, I um, God is a God of order. He's not a God of confusion. So, I think things are ordered. Um, and it's not to say we're left out of one for another, um, or that we can't attain this one or that one. Uh, it's just. When we are filled, we're filled. So, um, uh, I think that's a good way to put it. Oh, um, one last question. We're just about out of time, but what do you say to religions that maintain that God's communication with us uh, began and ended with the Bible? And, uh, 
that any personal direct revelation should be suspect? Um, uh, we have the Bible, which is um, uh, uh, what I want to say. Uh, it's God's uh, um, textbook. Uh, so that everybody gets to read it and everybody gets the same message. Um, but God has special missions for special people. Uh, not that I'm particularly special. Um, God has a mission for everyone. So uh, we, God does talk to us. I, uh, I can't deny that. I tell everybody that, listen, listen. God's not in the thunderstorm. He's not in the tornado. He's not in the hailstorm. He's not in the earthquake. He's in that still, small voice that you hear. And that's what we have to attune our hearing to, is that still, small voice. I don't know how much time we have. I can tell you quickly how I came to that. <laughs> well, uh, we we don't. But, okay. Don, I'll tell you, if... Um, Folks wanted to get in touch with you. What's the best way to do it? Um, email would be great. Uh, okay. Don, Don Green forty six at gmail dot com. And that's green without an e at the end. Uh, no, yes, no, no e. Um, I tend Not. to think of it as the Irish green as opposed to the English green, but that may cause dissension. So it's <laughs> Don Green forty six at gmail dot com. Um, Terrific. Thank you, Don. Um, so I, I want to thank Don Green for sharing his story with us today. And, and if you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS and our upcoming conference in Orlando, Florida in July, check out that website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>